Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that eternally you are good. We thank you that you are good to us. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you never give up on us. You never fail us. We thank you that we can call you our father. And most importantly, we thank you that you can call us your children, that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Well, we thank God for yet another week, another 24 hours to work the works of him who has called us while we are in the day season of our life. Because we are not ignorant of the very truth that the night season of our life would come when we will not be able to work. So we are continuing our study on watch from Mark 13, 37. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. And last week we learned that we are supposed to watch over the things that God has given to us. And we took our, our study from the shepherds who watched over their flock at night. And definitely it was something that contributed to why they were chosen by God. And we look at several other scriptures. And today let's look at one in Revelation 3, verse 2 and 3. We focus on the verse 3, then we come to the verse 2, which will be what we'll be using for today's episode. So Revelation 3, verse 3, it says, Remember therefore how thou hast what thou hast received and heard. Hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come unto thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come unto thee. So God is speaking to the church in Sardis and he's saying that you have received some things. He said that remember what you have received. Hold fast and let us cause you to repent. If you do not watch over what you have received, when I come, I'll come as a thief at night, meaning I'll come unexpected and then you'll be in trouble. So you are supposed to watch over what God has given to you. And we look at the fact that Ephesians 3, Paul told us that there was a certain dispensation of grace that was given to them towards the Gentiles. And it was simply to let the Gentiles know that in Christ Jesus, we have been made partakers of the divine nature, of eternal life. And tonight, we want to look at the next thing, the fifth thing we are supposed to watch. We have studied that, one, we need to watch because we don't know the timing of God. We need to be observant. We need to be on the lookout. We need to take heed because we don't know that hour. We don't know that moment when God will decide to act on our situation. He's always acting on our situation. When what God is doing will manifest before us. The second thing we said that we need to watch onto temptation. We need to be on the lookout. We should not be naive because we have an adversary who is like a rose, a roaming lion looking for someone to devour. So we also need to be on the lookout. We need to be like, you see, in the animal kingdom, one thing that determines the movement of what animals do is their predators. So most animals come out at day because their predators come out at night. If their predators come out at night, they will come out at day. So they are always on the lookout for their predators. So we should always be on the lookout. We should not be naive because we have an enemy. Then we said we need to watch consistently on prayer. We should not sleep on prayer. We should not forget that we have a responsibility to keep our relationship with God fresh. 
where prayer doesn't just become a participation and an exertion of energies, but a moment, a solemn moment, where we have communion, koinonia, fellowship, partnership, and intimacy with our Father. And we say that we don't just pray for praying sake, but we pray for answers. So if you go to your prayer room with a burden, you must not leave carrying that burden. Whatever you go into the place of exchange, which is koinonia, the place of fellowship where you give God what you have and you take what he has. And last week, we looked at the fact that you must watch over the ministry, the jurisdiction, the scope of influence which God has given us, especially when it comes to our families. And tonight, we want to look at what we are supposed to watch next. And this is found in the verse 2 of what we read. We read the verse 3. But now let's go to verse above. It says that, be watchful. You see, so in, I always say that it's so interesting. When you start studying something, you begin to see it in almost every <laughs> passage of scripture you read, you read. I'm sure many of us have not really taken note of how repetitive the word watchful or we need to be alert is in the Bible. Hopefully, we will look at it. A lot of them. So it's that be watchful and strengthen the things which remain ha, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. The next thing we are supposed to be watchful over is the things that remain in our life. See, the, the, the word of God is so comforting. I'm yet to see a scope of life that the word of God does not provide clear solutions to, that the word of God does not provide clear directions to. You see that be watchful and strengthen the things we remain. This evening, God wants to really encourage us. God wants to encourage us because especially when you look at the economic situation of the world, how the economies of nations are crumbling, many of us are losing things by no fault of ours. And God is saying that in this season that he's going to restore unto us things that we have lost, things that pandemics, things that policies of governors and rulers have taken, things that the circumstances of life has robbed you of. God is going to restore, but there's a role we need to play. And that road that we need to watch and strengthen the things that remain because things happen in life. Awful things happen in life. There are several things you will lose in life. But Jesus is saying that do not focus on the things you have lost in this life, but focus on the things which remain and have the tendency to die. And God is encouraging us. Some of us have lost loved ones. You may have lost a parent at a tender age, lost a spouse, lost a child, lost a business, lost several things, mainly because of no fault of yours. I, there's always this story I remember one day it was raining in, in a crowd down. And uh, by the time we woke up, um, a lady, I think she was a medical doctor. It happened about three or four years ago. I think she went for choir rehearsals right from work. She was on duty, I think, afternoon or so duty. Then she went for choir rehearsals on her way. Um, I think she went to park a car somewhere and the flat just carried the car. So the man was with their firstborn at home waiting for the wife. And as at midnight, the wife was not eating. He started to get worried because you know that oh, rehearsals will close later at 10 p.m. By 12, she should be home, even if she stays to chat. Moreover, she has work the next day, so she wouldn't stay out long. The guy, full of anxiety, started calling, 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 especially knowing that there were heavy rains. The next thing he heard that he has lost his wife. I, I really do. I, I, like ever since I heard that story in the news, I don't know. I just, I can just imagine the pain, the suffering, the, the, the hopelessness that this young man would have been through, or would be through, or be going through. And the things like this, you just ask yourself, why? 
And all that God is saying is that watch over that which remains because many people are unable to recover from such situations. Many people have lost loved ones and they end up becoming alcoholics. Many people have lost children and, and people that their lives were all invested into and were never able to bounce back. They entered into a, into a rabbit hole of alcoholism, of addiction, of misbehavior. But God is saying that it is not over yet. There is something that remains in your life and watch over it. So the thing you are supposed to watch over is that which remains in your life. So there are several things in Luke chapter 7, Jesus gives us about three parables, all talking about things that were lost. I think it starts with the parable of the lost sheep, then it goes to the lost coin, then it goes to the lost son. And if you look at all these parables, one thing I noticed was that the people that lost either their sheep, their coin, or their son was due to no fault of theirs. I am a rich man and my son comes to tell me that he wants his inheritance. The next thing I yeah, he's off and blowing all the all the, the inheritance I've given him. Then a few months or years down the line, this guy comes back home wretched. It was no fault of the father. I am a shepherd. I'm keeping a watchful eye. And if you look at the story of the parable of the lost sheep, you realize that it was the sheep that wandered away and the guy had to go back and fetch it. And if you got the parable of the lost coin, I love that parable so much because you can be in the father's house and still be lost. You know, in the prodigal son's case, he left the father's house and all he had to do was to return to the father's house. By the parable of the lost coin, the coin was in the house. The coin was in the lady's house, but the coin was still lost. Many people are in church, yet they are lost. Many people are in the house, yet they are lost. And these are things that people can lose. Mothers have raised their children correctly, but they go into school or boarding house and they fall into the hands of bad companies and that ends their life. But God is saying that regardless of what life has taken from, regardless of the pain of unexplained misery, watch over that which remains. Because our God is a God of He's a restoring God. But He needs you to watch over that which remains. Whenever I look at the Bible, I look at people like Daniel. How do they, how do you do no fault of theirs? Their nation was ransacked by Babylon. And a guy who supposedly had a bright future in Israel is now a slave in a huge nation as Babylon. Look at the guy Joseph who had a bright future and before he realized he's in Egypt, then before he realized he's on national news for attempting to rape the, the, the Potiphar, let's say a minister's wife. Due to no fault of these things happen. But God is saying that as long as I am a God who rules and reigns in the affairs of life, keep watch over that which remains in your life. Because there's always going to be something left despite of the devastation that happened. So in John chapter 6 verse 12, Jesus tells his disciples that gather up the fragments that remain. So here Jesus has just finished performing a miracle and this miracle he did it twice. I think one was for 5,000 people, the one was for 4,000 people aside men and um, women and children. And all those things, Jesus told that even though you are full and the people are full, he says gather that to remains so that nothing will be lost. God is always interested in what we will call the leftover. So what is left over after the flood, after the war, uh, there's always going to be something left over. Even after that painful divorce, God is saying, gather that which remains. Why? Jeremiah 3, Jeremiah 23, verse 3. Why do we need to gather that which remains? Even after a massive devastation. And the prophet Jeremiah of God through the prophet Jeremiah 
attempts to answer this question. And I read to so Jeremiah 23, verse 3. Let's start from the verse um, 2. Okay, from the verse 1. Say, Woe unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. So imagine you're a sheep in this pasture. Because of the pastors or because of shepherds, you are destroyed. Therefore, thou says the Lord of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people, you have scattered my flock and you have driven them away. <coughs> and I've not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing. Thou says the Lord. But focusing on the sheep, they were misled. They were given wrong feed because of their sheep. So it doesn't mean that it is all over. Look at what God says in the verse 3. I will gather the remnants of the flock. So even though some have been destroyed, some are into the hands, have fallen into the hands of predators, some have been are with all sorts of food deficiency, nutrient deficiencies. His God is saying, I will gather the flock that remain out of all countries whether I have driven them and I will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them and they shall fear no more. Neither shall they be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking. Thou says the Lord, behold, the days come says the Lord, I will raise up David a righteous branch and the king shall reign and prosper and shall execute the judgment and the justice in the earth. He says, gather the raiment of flock that will remain. You may have been beaten massively by life, but there's something that still remains. God is saying that to watch over it. God is saying that gather up the fragments of your broken marriage. Gather up the fragments of your supposed broken life. Gather up the fragments of your broken education. Gather up the fragments of your broken health. And watch over that which remains and is about to die. Because the God who is an expert in restoration is about to do something that will blow your mind. Gather that which remains. I believe that God is really speaking to us tonight and encouraging us. God is really encouraging us. And if you got practical examples of how these things happen, there was a woman in the Bible called Naomi. There was family in her land. So she and her husband, they left each other land. And it's very typical of what we do. There's family in Africa. There's family in Ghana, Nigeria. And I don't mean food family. I mean economic family. People <laughs> just um, recently I saw the news how the parliament or however they call it in Nigeria is saying that doctors must work for five years now before they leave the country because the brain drain is massive, massive brain drain. Everybody is literally leaving the country. And the same thing, so Madam Naomi and her husband, they wanted a better life for themselves, so they moved. But unfortunately, something interesting happened. The husband died, the two sons died. And before that, the two sons married two ladies, Oprah, Oprah and, and Ruth. But interestingly, the three women died. The three men died. Now, if you were in an in a, our setting as Africans and as Ghanaians, automatically prophets and wonderful people start bringing up um, 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 bloodline theories of how there is a spirit or some, something fantastic attacking the men in the family. Hey, uh, sorry, you see, that is why you need to have a relationship with God. When we did, do that know their God. That's the only way you be strong. Because when you look at the situation, how can your father, how can your husband and two sons all die? Just like that. You that you left Ghana, left Nigeria, left wherever you are, 
to go to a land because of prosperity. Now you are left with nothing but two daughters-in-law and one even abandoned you along the line. And as Naomi was returning because she has heard that things have become favorable in her land, she was like, Charlie, you know what? Europe is not my home. Asia is not my home. Australia is not my home. Let me go back home and retire. And the Bible said that she told the people when she entered that, do not call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Because the Lord Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I think let's read what this woman said in Ruth chapter 1. Let's go to Ruth chapter 1. So we appreciate the sorrow of this lady. Ruth 1 from verse 20 following. It says, And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty had dealt very bitterly with me. <laughs> very bitterly with me. I went out for, so I went out of Ghana and I a doctor. I went out of Nigeria and an engineer with certificates, with experience. I left with my husband and two wonderful kids. I left full and I came home empty. Why then call me Naomi? Seeing that the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. It's so interesting the things we can say because of our myopic point of view. And rightfully so. And see, this is something very interesting. In all these things, God was just silent. Trust the silence of God. God doesn't need to respond because look at the way this woman was like, I left here with money in my bank account, with a good profession. I left with a husband and two wonderful, let me assume that they were lawyers or doctors or engineers or social media managers <laughs> or content creators. <laughs> and she's returning with nothing but a daughter-in-law. And God is saying that you may be in the situation of Naomi, but watch over that which remains because you have no idea how God is positioning you to be the great grandmother of the king day. You have no idea how God is positioning you to be in the lineage of his one and only begotten son. When we look at life on the myopic point of view, we think it is all over. As we say in Ghana, we think all die, be die. But God is saying that there is no all die, be die. Watch over that which remains. You may have been betrayed by a loved one and it feels as though, as we would say, we don't have any any love left in us. We don't have any energy to fight anymore. You may have gone through a bitter divorce, a terrible educational system, educational journey, and you feel like challenge is not worth it. God is saying that it is never impossible to restore your situation. All I need you to do is to watch that which remains. This is why suicide is never an option because there's always something that remains. If Mr. Judas Iscariot knew this thing, he wouldn't have taken his life for selling his master for 30 pieces of silver. Because after he did that act and he saw how foolish he was, he thought there was nothing worth living for. There's nothing remaining in my life. It is, I am as good as dead. Now God is speaking to you this evening, this morning, this afternoon, wherever you are listening to me, that there's always something that remains means gather it and watch over it because i am come to turn your mara into the grandmother of david if only judas had heard this podcast he wouldn't have taken his life mr moses thought it was all over when he messed up and became um, a wanted target in the nation of egypt when at the age of 40, the Bible said in Asa, it entered into his heart to go and visit his people. And someone who was becoming the next pharaoh of Egypt has now become the most wanted man in Egypt. And before he could realize that the next king was now a shepherd in the wilderness, he thought it was all over until 40 years after he had a burning bush encounter. It is never over with God. Watch over that which remains. 
and believing God that you allow yourself to be comforted by this word. Because we always, because all of us are going to diverse situations. That always, there's no mathematical calculation that can determine how F, F, the next Pharaoh will become the great leader Moses. So then you have no idea how your supposed messed up situation you will find yourself in will turn out for good. That is why it's in the hands of God. Watch over that which remains. Because it's a God that knows how to restore the wasted years. He's a God that knows how to restore what is left. He's a God of the one jar. When the woman told the prophet that all I have is one jar of oil and my husband is in debt. He's the God of the one jar. Hey, when the widow also told the prophet that, hey, all I have is a cake, that my last flower, that I'm going to bake for my son and he will eat and die. He's the God of the one flower left. There is something that remains. And God is saying that do not neglect it. Do not neglect your life. Do not neglect your children. Do not neglect your marriage. Do not neglect your education. Do not neglect what remains after the massive shakeup that happened in your life. Because he's a God of the one jar. He's the God of the remains. You see, God is, he likes gathering remains. He likes gathering those who have been scattered abroad. So when, when the prophet Elijah wants to complain to God that there is nobody left and that the Jezebel has killed everybody and she's challenged, she has put me on national list to kill. God said, I have 7,000 prophets. I have a remnant, a, a remnant of 7,000 people who have not bowed their knees. He's, a God, he's the God of the leftovers, the God of the remnants. And he's also your God. He is literally looking for anything left to use. What do you have left after that painful breakup? That is all that God needs. I don't want to encourage us tonight. God wants to encourage us that things would happen that you cannot explain. Like what happened to Naomi. There is no explanation. So sometimes you are tempted to feel like it's ancestral cases or familiar spirits or, or some manipulations of the enemy. Yeah. Are you saying that? All I need is one jar. All I need is five loaves and two fish. All I need is a remnant. All I need is a David, it's a Joshua, it's a Moses. That's all I need. All you have left, maybe you may have lost your spouse, and all that you have left is your baby boy. He says that watch over that baby boy. Watch over that baby boy. Watch over that spouse you have left. Watch over that parents you have left. Watch over that one shop you have left. Watch over that set. Watch over it. Whatever is left, watch over it. And the main thing you're supposed to watch over is over your life after that devastation. Because many of us give up on our lives after we go through a massive shakeup. And for tonight, I want to just bring up this wonderful woman of God, Catherine Coleman. Ah, Catherine Coma. And I believe that everybody who has been in the faith for a while has one way or another heard about this healing tele-evangelist, Catherine Coma, whose ministry spanned for over five decades. And the woman who, when she's passing, people fall under the power of the anointing without her touching them. But did you ever know, and I'm sure most of us have known, but it's a quite common story, that when this woman, I think she was living in Denver, and her ministry was growing, she was gradually getting to be the papas and the mamas, <laughs> the table of mamas in Denver and in the U.S. 
The next thing we heard is that she's marrying an evangelist, she's invited to preach in the church. That is not what was the news. The news was that this man was married and this man abandoned the wife and the kids to marry this anointed woman. Mercy. And I, I, I wonder, I watched the particular documentary and according to it, it said that on their wedding day, when they were taking their vows, she collapsed three times. I, I watched this talk and I was just like, wow. So while she was reciting the vows, she collapsed. They woke her up. She continued. She collapsed. It happened three times. And this woman still went on with the marriage. She was literally a home wrecker, a marriage breaker, a family destroyer. <laughs> oh, Catherine Puma. And after she married, the marriage, they had no child. Everything was a mess in the marriage, as you should expect. <laughs> you want to even break somebody's house to build yours. Your house will also be broken. And when they separated, it took them four years for them to finally um, finalize the divorce. It was a massive time in their life. If if my, my history facts served me right, she got married somewhere, I think, in 1983. And by 19 by 1944, then the marriage was over. But it, yeah, so I think in 1944, that's when the marriage was over. But it took them four years. So that was yeah, four years before they could finally divorce. So just imagine this happening in our situation. This woman, everything she did, it was just bad news, headlines upon headlines. Her ministry literally died. Who would attend a church like this where the senior pastor has gone to take an evangelist, not even from a single person or some a man, an evangelist. So as the man was preaching on stage, Katinkuma was just eyeing the man down. Mm, Samshios. She has literally destroyed the marriage. The thing that God, God, God has put together, she has torn it asunder. She could not recover every attempt to recover the ministry, to recover her ministry, just became a failure. And I'm sure one thing that helped was that the media was very little. There were no social media, prints. there was print media, but radio had just started coming. So of course, even though the news was traveling by word of mouth and local communication, I think about four years, and somewhere around 1946, the scandal of her marriage had faded away. So that was around two years later, you know, when something happened. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's pointing fingers. And her ministry, almost everybody left her ministry. In fact, it was divided because we were like, hey, if this woman is truly called of God, there is no way she would do this. And her attempt to revamp her ministry failed again. The only option she had left was to leave them there and go to Pennsylvania. Because at that, you know, because I said, because of the um, limited technology available, especially when it comes to communication, when she went to Pennsylvania, that's when she started to host a weekly radio prayer program, program, which before long started to pick up gradually. And that is when we knew of the Catherine Coma, or that's when the Catherine Coma we know of came back. Many of us would not have recovered from such a downfall. If many of us were in Catherine Coma's situation, there is no way we pick up ourselves again. There is no way we can look at God's people again and speak to them again. She had a terrible marriage and terrible life, but she washed over that which remained. She said, as long as I'm alive, as long as the call of God is still over my life, if I fall down seven times, I will rise up seven times. Many people are unable to recover from such a failure. Many people. There was this um, um, God said, I think John Evans, or something Evans, yeah. he was a Scottish minister. In fact, during his time, the police nearly collapsed because crime rate had so dropped that there was literally no need for a police um, 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 department or police in the country. So what happened was that the only reason why they had police, which was a very few number, was because of his evening services. 
So it's evening service because the crowds will gather. They needed some crowd and maintenance people. So that was the only reason why they need police. I, can you imagine the whole nation? There is no need for police. There was no stealing. There was nothing because of one man. And the only reason was for crowd control during the church service. And I just think guy also had a very interesting scenario. And his and the revival lasted for, I think, only two years. He also went somewhere, I think he was deceived by supposed people who were called, you know, who acclaimed. A very funny story like that. But he could never come back, at least from what I read. But Catherine Coleman watched over that which we made. And that's how come she became who she was. Do not allow your failures to keep you down. Things are already dead in your life, but there's at least something that has a little bit of life. And God says in Revelation 3 verse 2, He says, watch and strengthen that which remains and is about to die. Because I am a God that restores. Watch over your life. Do not allow alcohol, drugs, womanizing or manizing. Don't, don't fall into that rabbit hole. Don't think that your career is lost. Maybe you are caught in a scandal which genuinely you were part. You are unfaithful. You did whatever it is. God is saying that what remains, gather up the fragments and watch. Be diligent over the life which you live. If you are in the age of 50, 60, 70, you feel like you have wasted your youth. God has yourself on give God your youth. But now it's like your youth has passed you by. And you feel like there's no point. God is saying that watch over the 10 years, 20 years, 30 years you have remaining in your life and strengthen it because He's a God that restores. So tonight, this is God's word to us. He said that there's always one jar of oil left, there's always going to be one flower left, there's always going to be something left in your life. As long as you have the opportunity to listen to me, there's something left in your life. And God is saying, watch over it. There is nothing you cannot bounce back from. There is nothing God cannot recover you from. But God needs you not to neglect your life. Suicide, sin is never an option. That's why James Hebrews 3 verse 30 says, Exalt one another daily. Least any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sometimes the circumstance we go through can harden us. That now we become rebellious because we feel like, you know, most people that became atheists was because they felt like God disappointed them and they went around that rabbit hole. But God is saying that to watch over that which remains. Life may have dealt bitterly with you like in life now, but watch over that which remains. Tonight, just spend some time, allow God to speak to you, allow God to comfort your broken heart. He wipes away every tear. He heals and mends the broken heart. He's the answer to it all. You may have heard this thing several times. But God is going to give me the opportunity to comfort you. Give me the opportunity to restore your wasted years. To restore your wasted opportunity. Maybe when you were on campus, you just, you know, a friend who wasted, I think, uh, 10 years in a relationship he knew was not going anywhere. And he felt like he has wasted his life. But God is saying that, allow me to comfort you. He's saying that, allow me to restore your wisdom there. That with the look of the caterpillar, the canker worm, and the palmer worm as Allah's eating, allow me to restore by gathering and being watchful over that which remains. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up ourselves before you. We pray for grace. We pray for help. We pray that you would allow ourselves to be comforted by your word. We pray for the courage to rise up again, even after you have fallen seven times. We pray for courage to watch over that which remains and is about to die in our life. We pray for grace to watch over that ministry we neglected, to watch over that marriage we neglected, to watch over that child we neglected. No matter how how bad your child has come to watch over him because there's something that God can always do with that which remains. Father, give us the boldness and the courage to keep on watching, to keep on fighting, to keep on pushing because we know that with you we are more than confident through Christ who strengthens us in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you. It's so refreshing when God's word speaks to your heart. Everything before His word is ancient, regular, ever true, and ever fresh. Thank you for being with us for yet another week. We are believing God for more grace to continue availing ourselves as God renews our mind and transforms us so that we know that good, perfect, and acceptable way. See you next week. And remember, regardless of what happens, we are still giving God our very best. And we are only one man after that love. See you next week and bye bye. Yeah. If not for your grace.